And good evening, everyone. Welcome to Family Talk with the Njokus. My name is Uche Njoku, and uh, I am the co-host of this weekly episodic show. And um, unfortunately, this evening, my sister, Merriman Joku is unable to be here this evening. She had a work emergency that she has to deal with. Um, for those of you who are not aware of who we are, I am a high school principal in um, New York City. I've been educated for, for the past 15 years. She is a mental health nurse practitioner, actually a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and she's been in practice for over 20 years. And we had this bad idea of, of kind of like joining heads. You know, my background in in um, education, social work, and then her background in, in uh, medicine and specifically uh, psychiatric, uh, psychiatric um, uh, endeavors, you know, and mental health issues. And um, so... That's why it's called Family Talk with Jokus. The focus of, of this space is really to engage conversations about families and what's going on in that space. I'm very passionate about education, and for that reason, um, everything that I do, um, apart from my love for sneakers, is encased around um, the family and specifically children as well. Uh, and you can imagine that as an educator, that's something that's very, very important to me. So um, this evening, we had planned a whole entire show and, um, as you know, I'm up here tripping. One second. Um, I must first of all tell you that uh, one of the things that, that we tried last week and we're going to uh, keep trying is um, um, Clubhouse. So um, I um, I have a, uh, the app Clubhouse. We actually start a room in there as well. So let me go ahead and, and set that up. So what it is is that, you know, last week I think we had like one or two people show up in the Clubhouse room. It's an audio space where you can actually engage in conversation audio-wise. So, um, uh so what I'm doing is I'm using that as a, as a space for people who would like to engage in conversation in, in this forum to, if you're in Clubhouse or, you know, if I would suggest you sign up for Clubhouse because if you sign up for Clubhouse, what happens is anyone who's already a member can let you in and you can join us, you know, and actually I can have you speak and engage in conversation live doing the podcast. So, um, um, so I just want to let you guys know that about Clubhouse. Um, again, it's simple. It's called Clubhouse. I think it's. Uh, I think if you type in, if you Google, if you Google Clubhouse, it's like the biggest secret social media platform because I didn't know anything about it until literally I think about a week ago, and then I think by the next day I was on and I was like, this is amazing. But um, we're using that platform as a space for for uh, for people to actually be able to engage us, you know, verbally. Um, um, so yeah, so I was just saying. Uh, Mary was supposed to be here, but she she can't be here. It's a major emergency with her. She's fine herself. It's just some things with with her practice that she's handling right now. Um, and we were supposed to be engaging in a conversation today about um, she had brought up the whole whole notion of how do we transition our children back into the building when school starts again. And I thought it was interesting because she was asking me practical questions as far as what schools are doing or what she should be looking for as a parent. And then I was like, you know what? I would love to know what how to handle the, the, that shift from being at home for a lot of kids have been at home for, for months now, 10 months, you know? Um, and some kids have been at home for 10 months straight through. Some went back to school when they went back home again. And so I was like, so what can we, so what, what should I be looking for as a principal? You know, because one of the things I'm concerned about is, you know, I read, um, um, I think Stephen Covey in his book, um, how to, is that Stephen Covey? Or was like Dale Carnegie, one of those people about you know how to influence people, win friends, and things like that, and how to be the most effective person you can be. Talks about that to form a habit, it takes somewhere between like sixteen to twenty plus days for you if you do the same thing over and over again every single day. Eventually, it becomes a habit. 
if you've been in the, if you've been at home for for ten months and you've gotten used to that space and being on a computer and not being outside and things of that nature and being um, in a space where you're the one controlling your you're learning yourself. Um, I would imagine that it becomes a habit that you might need to readjust if you have to go back into the building, something that you're not used to. So, um, so we were going to have that conversation. I know right now some of you are probably like, "Whoa, I, I want to know about this." I, I need to call my sister, call my call my uh, my my brother-in-law, and everybody who has kids so they can listen to this because this is something that's going to impact all of us. However, I can't have that conversation. Have that conversation be complete because I want to talk about the what should you be looking for as far as that shift back into the building. Um, but also without having a conversation of what's going to be the psychological impact on children going back into the building, you know, um, COVID-19, um, post-COVID-19 vaccinations and everything else that we're walking into. You know, people have been talking about moving back into the norm place of normalcy. Let's be honest here. Um, nothing's ever going to be normal again. Things are going to be, things might, might normalize, but not necessarily be normal. So whatever we knew before is not going to be the same moving into the future. And that's something we all have to accept. And I think that's all we, that, I think we've all accepted that. You know, the world has changed tremendously. Um, but again, I can't have that conversation yet. So I'm going to push that conversation to next week. And uh, hopefully I can get it back. She'll be back on next week. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'm 99.9% sure that she'll be back on next week. So I know um, a lot of you call in, I mean, tune in to listen to her. But she has such a, a my wife tells, tells me she has such a soothing voice. And the mind is all scratchy and rough and everything, you know. So, but it's okay, you know. I think I think I can I can handle this on my own. Um, so, what are we going to talk about today? Um, I am, I am, I'm, I cannot not talk about what happened yesterday. I'm sorry, I cannot not talk about what happened yesterday. Some of you might be like, "What happened yesterday?" If you don't know what happened yesterday, then you must be living under a rock, and um. So let me lift that rock. Let me, first of all, lift that rock so you can come out of that rock and know that yesterday there was literally an attack on Capitol Hill. Okay, some of you might be like, what's Capitol Hill? You know, um, Capitol Hill is literally our seat of government. The White House where the president lives is where the executive branch does its thing. But our seat of government is the legislature because that's the way we have all the representatives from every state in the country. You know, we have the senators and the representatives they all live and work in this place in the Capitol building on Capitol Hill. And um, yesterday we had, um, not we, there was probably probably the most horrendous, most disrespectful, um, most disconcerting, um, stomach churning event. Um, let, me, let me set it up for you. So yesterday I was, you know, like this is also, I do my podcast from here, but I also work from here. Now this is, my workspace. So during the day, I teach classes from here. My meetings, my Zoom meetings, district meetings, whatever it is, happens all from here. Parent meetings happens from here. And I had a little low, you know, a little space between meetings. So I was like, okay, I know, what's, well, I know what I need to watch right now. Right now, um, um, the Congress is meeting to certify um, Biden's election, Biden's and Harris's election. So I want to see that because there's all this talk about you know, the, the senators and the congressmen who are going to protest Arizona, uh, Georgia, uh, Michigan, and I believe um, uh, Pennsylvania. I think it's those four states. They're going to contest those states. And, um, and, and of course, it was supposed to be ceremonial, but they were going to go through the whole entire thing of interrupting um, the whole congressional um, process 
of of certification. And I'm and I'm 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 one of those people. I'm super curious about things like that because I had never seen that before. So I was like, yeah, I want to see this. I want to see what they're gonna say. And I'm not one to turn on C-SPAN and listen to the listen to Congress. But this in itself was very interesting. It's it's a it's a watershed moment. It's a moment in history that I wanted to be part of. So I so the TV is right. It's right. What's the figure is that? Okay, yeah, the TV is right here. Okay, so I literally turn my seat around. I turn the TV, and um, I I I hear uh, Michael, Michael Pence announcing um he's announcing uh uh the, the i think the first state i think uh, i think he went to arkansas alaska then he got to arizona then the first protest happened you know and they talked about the, the, the voting irregularities and all this other stuff and which means now as long as the congressman puts the petition in and has at least a senator to back that petition then you have to now break the, the uh, assembly of of Congress, and they have to go through the separate chambers, the Senate and uh, and the House, and then they argue for like two hours max about whatever, whatever, and they vote on it. And, but it's purely ceremonial; nothing was going to happen because they knew they didn't have enough votes from to make any of this happen. So I'm watching this. I'm something. This is so interesting. What happens next? Um, I think they they show the Senate first, and then you had um uh, uh what's his name um. Not Mitt Romney. Um, uh, the uh, he is the major, the Senate Majority Leader McConnell. So Mitch McConnell gets up there, and those of you who've been watching the news, you know Mitch McConnell is the dude who's been like, you know, he's like he's been like Trump's kind of sort of part time henchman. I'll say part time because he's a smart guy. So sometimes. He does enough because he wants to maintain power and do what's, what needs to be done for the Republican Party. But of course, he uses Trump as the as the uh, as the I don't know the center focus because a lot of a lot of the Republican Party right now is centered around Trump supporters. So he goes up there, and I'm thinking he's going to go into about voting irregularities and everything else. And he says pretty much, "We need to stop doing all this nonsense." You know, it's not good for the country. And he's talking. I'm thinking, yo, he's making he's 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 making a chess move, because he knows. Because let's what happened the, the night before was the the Georgia runoff elections, and um and the two Democrats won one, and and the other um, wow, man, I'm gonna mess up their names. Okay, they're not. It's not even in my brain. I'm, I'm in New York. I'm not in Georgia. But probably this day one, it was very clear that the Senate was now going to be majority. It was going to be 50-50 senators with the split vote going to, uh, um, uh, with the split vote going to um, uh, Vice President-elect uh, President Kamala Harris. So now the Senate is now on the Democratic side. So you know that this is kind of like one of the last things that Mr. McConnell is going to be doing as Senate Majority Leader because uh, I believe um, Schumer from New York is going to be now the new Senate Majority Leader when the new government goes into place. So he's talking, and you can see he's doing his thing. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, yo, this is Game of Thrones for real. This is Game of Thrones for real. Like, those of you who watch Game of Thrones, I was like, this is what this is. Then the next thing you see is that... um. Uh, Breaking news, and they, and I'm watching CNN, and they go to the fact that there's all these people marching down um, towards Capitol Hill, 
And I'm thinking, what's going on? Now, I remember earlier in the day, there was a big rally that Trump called, told everybody to come to D.C. on the 6th. And they had a, he did his whole entire speech and he talked about, you know, I saw, I saw the re replay of it. At that point, I hadn't seen what he had said. But apparently he had said, you know, we got to go down to, to, down to the Capitol building and you got to cheer those, those people who are fighting to, to overturn their elections, whatever, however he said it. So you're watching, the, you're watching this video, all these people are coming and by the time the cameras hit outside to watch them, they're already at the Capitol building. And these people bum rushed the Capitol building. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to D.C. and you've been to Capitol Hill. Um, I've been there um, three times, three three times, twice as a just on my own, and one time um, um, I took a. No, I've been there four times, twice on my own, twice taking um, students there. You know, my previous school I was a principal at. You know, we had seen we had an eighth grade trip to uh, D.C. and yes, the building itself. D.C. itself, first of all, feels like security. Like when you walk through D.C., something about D.C., you just feel like you're being watched. Cameras everywhere and whoever else, military people everywhere, soldiers everywhere, you know, paramilitary people everywhere. And, and um, so it's not, it's not one of those places that you, just run, you can just run up, and run up on. But I'm watching TV and I'm thinking, is this a movie? Is this the same Capitol Hill that I went to? That I had to we had to stand, stand outside in lines for hours just to get in? And you saw these people literally in, in the shots and frames that you're being seen. They, they're climbing inside the walls. They're jumping on the platform. People are literally climbing, scaling inside the walls. They eventually, they make it into the building and they're in the building. They're in the hall of statue. All this craziness. And all of a sudden, they're evacuating um, the, the legislature, the, the senators and, and congressmen. They're showing videos of people hiding behind counters, ducking. They're showing um, pictures of Secret Service and, and Capitol Hill police with guns pointed at the door. With the people are trying to break in. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, first of all, I'm Nigerian. I'm from Nigeria. And in my short life, I've lived, I've lived across at least two coup attempts. No, not even coup attempts, real attempts of, not even attempts, they were actual coups. You know, when people who take over governments, that's, that, I know about that. That's African thing. You know, we're working on it. You know, Nigeria hasn't had a coup in a long time. But still, that's, I'm watching, I'm like, is this what I'm seeing right now? Are these people literally trying to go in and then they have pitchforks and flags and some people have body armor on them. Because I'm watching, I was, the, I was the Marine Corps. So I'm like, that's body armor. What are they thinking about? Then I'm hearing that they're finding pipe bombs in, di in different places. And I'm watching this and these are all Trumpers. And I'm feeling sick to my stomach. Because in my brain, I'm saying to myself, actually, no, I'm asking myself, what am I seeing? And I know what I'm seeing. I'm seeing white privilege because not so long ago, over the summer, people were protesting police brutality. They were protesting the murder of black and brown people without just cause. And for their troubles, they were beaten, they were maced, People died. Many people died over the summer. There were rumors of people being kidnapped. There were people out there who were still looking for loved ones who were like, you know, they went out and they never came back and they're missing. All because they were protesting police brutality. But in this space, 
what I said yesterday is people who walked into the Capitol building breaking, I mean, destroying property, destroying federal property. Not, not, listen, the, the Cap Capitol Hill is probably the second, if not third, most secure building in America. And, and I'll tell you, the White House, Capitol building, building, and the Pentagon. Because the seat of power, let's be honest here, the seat of power, outside of the White House, the seat of power is, 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 is Congress. Because if the president goes down, then it's the vice president. And if the president, vice president goes down, then it's speaker of the House. So it shifts to, to the legislature. So sitting in that space is the, literally the line of, of succession. And they walked in there and they had to evacuate and hide people, hide, hide our quote-unquote leaders. And, I, and all I could think to myself is, the last summer, people were peacefully protesting in a park by the White House and they were maced and beaten. You can go on YouTube and look, pull up that video and see people getting, getting their bus whooped. And they were being called rioters. Don't get me wrong. There were riots that happened. There were people who were irresponsible in several cities who, 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 went, who went off. Because I think when you're protesting, you're protesting. When you, when you start to destroy property and start to cause harm, then you're rioting. Yesterday, I saw people who were destroying property. And they were being labeled as protesters. What are you protesting? An election that's been determined, that's going through the courts, that's a done deal? Well, I guess you have the right to do that. But then how do you justify trying to destroy the, the structure that is the, the facade, the, 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 the embodiment of the freedoms that allows you to actually protest? I don't get that. But that's what happened. Again, I was sick to my stomach. I was sick to my stomach. I, 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 just, I was just like, this is, this is, it's almost like someone said, it's almost like uh, the boogeyman pulled off his mask and he was even more boogier. <laughs> like, like, seriously, like, it's just like the worst fears came out because now it showed that in this country is very, very clear that the rules, I mean, it's always, it's always been clear, but now it's like, it's like crystal clear. The rules apply differently. I had many conversations with, with, my, with my siblings, with my wife, friends of mine we were texting. I, was, I, was, I went down the Twitter, the Twitter rabbit hole, found videos of people who, did, who literally walked into the Capitol building and were high-fiving and taking selfies with, 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 um, with the police. Saw videos where the barricade was there and people weren't pushing through the barricade. But... Officers literally pulled the barricade open and they walked right through. And I was thinking to myself, what am I seeing here? But I'm going to fast forward. Why am I saying all this? Because as an educator, for, no, first of all, as a, as, as a father, as a parent, you know, my children are young, you know, two and 10 months. But I can't help but wonder what is in store for them. Because... If this is where we are right now, and people have been saying, oh, America is such a better place and things have changed so much from, 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 the, from, the, from the bygone era, but you're seeing that 
it hasn't really changed. It's just evolved to a different beast. What is in store for our children? What's in store for my children? Let me just start with my children. What's in store for them? But to this day, you know, I'm very cautious when I'm outside of this house. When I'm in the car, I'm very cautious because if I see police, I have to make sure that I'm on my P's and Q's. I don't have the the uh, privilege of saying, you know what, I just I just move around carefree. I live in a predominantly white neighborhood. I have to walk differently. I have to play my music to a certain to a, a certain volume because I have to make sure that I don't bring undue attention to my family. And now, my sense of security is definitely has definitely diminished because my question now is. How safe is my family in a world where it's okay to do what happened yesterday? But now the next chapter of this is, I'm an educator. I have to go to school the next day, which was today. And somehow address what happened. Because it's... My, I believe it's, it's my responsibility as an educator. It's your responsibility as an educator. It's your responsibility as a parent, as a community, community member, to make sure that our children, as long as they're able to understand what's happening all the way to young adulthood, are engaged in conversations about what's happening in the world because it directly impacts them. Trayvon was not a, a grown man. He was a kid. Children have died in this space that we're in right now, in, the, in these struggles. And Matilda was a child. So I'm always asking myself, now, how do I explain this to, how do I explain this to my children, my students? Because I consider them my children as well. Because when you, as a parent, when you bring your child into my school building, it's like a baton. You're handing off your precious jewel into my hand. So that means when, it, when, it, if, when your child is in my hand, your child is in, in my building, I take automatic and immediate parental authority over them because I have to treat them and make sure I'm taking care of them the same way that parents would because parents have an expectation that my child, when they come into your building, when they're in your school, they're going to be handled and treated a certain way. And that way means you're going to treat them like they're your own child. So going to, so going to, going to school this morning, sitting in, 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 I mean, not going to, but logging in because it was, it was virtual and knowing that I was going to have my 20 plus kids show up. How do I not address that? Because I've built a space in my classroom where, where um, we talk. You know, every, every class session starts off with, first off, let me know in the chat box, how are you feeling today? Give me an adjective to describe your, your state of mind, your state of being today. Pick a word that you didn't pick yesterday. Pick, pick a different word. Let's expand that vocabulary. And I have 11th and 12th graders and they always indulge me and we always have a brief conversation. And, and, and this morning they were like tired, 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 tired. They were all tired. And I was like, man, I'm feeling tired too. So I asked them, why are you tired? What's going on? And some of them were like, you know, I just didn't sleep very well last night, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, okay. And one thing I've learned is like a lot of times, um, uh, it's not like it's not like pulling teeth. It's just like I have to kind of come, kind of like um, ask, uh, you know, um, prying questions, and I'm like, okay, 
That's good. I mean, okay, I see you're tight. Listen, it's going to happen. We're, we're all, you know, sometimes it's the middle of the week, right? We just got past hump day. It's Thursday. So I asked him, hey, guys, did anybody see what happened yesterday on the news? I got to tell you, the floodgates opened. And these are 15, 16, 17-year-olds, some 18-year-olds in there, and 11th and 12th graders, and they went in. They went in. And they literally were telling me, like, hey, I, I read this over here. I saw this over here. I was watching CNN. I was watching Fox. This is what I was seeing. And then I'm hearing things like, what does this mean? If they can do this, am I safe? Stu's talking about, like, I don't even want to leave the house anymore because I don't know who to trust or who's, who's, who's out to hurt me. And I'm, I'm watching this because the protest was really about the, this protest aka riot was really about this 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 dissatisfaction with an election that was that was you know brewed by President Trump and got his followers to really get got them really amped up around this. But the the feeling that was received by those watching, especially those of color black and brown people was, wait a minute, when we were pushing against injustice, we got our butts beat. We had our, 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 skull, our skulls cracked. But they can trespass, invade, create Congress to be evacuated, cause people to pull their guns out, breaking windows, breaking into offices, breaking into, into the house chamber, jump scaling off, off the, the rafters. And there was no police in sight. There was no retribution. There was nothing, nothing happened. Yes, there was some scuffles outside and they would say, oh, police was overwhelmed. But this is the capital, it's capital right? This capital police, this DC police. This National Guard. I've been in D.C. when there was a threat, and all of a sudden you saw the, how quickly they mobilized. So the mobilization of the paramilitary forces in D.C. can happen like that. And it took hours. And my students saw this, and their question was, why? And then if I ever felt... And I'm speaking, I'm speaking for them. If they, if they ever felt less than before that moment, they felt like nothing. Like truly, their lives didn't matter because they didn't matter. One of my students said this, and I heard this several times, but one of my students said this, Mister, for the first time, I truly understand what white privilege looks like. And I had no response. I had no response. You know, I don't know, very uh, uh, fragile. Their, their minds, their state of being, fragile. Fragile. Th you know, as they're developing, especially at this point in their lives. In, uh, like, I work with, with the high school age group, and what happens is that in that, that age group, we make two assumptions. Either they're immature or they're mature. And based on that, we, we treat them a certain kind of way. And these are assumptions that we make ourselves. And I think often it's because of what we deemed 
as maturity or immaturity based on what we did. But I really believe that that you get to a certain age of agency that you know what's right and wrong, and 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 I think I think it's, it's super early. You know, five, six, seven. Some kids just get to that point, and when you're in high school, you've known what's right and wrong for a long time. And sometimes what's right and wrong starts to get confused because society has to tell you that you're wrong just because of the color of your skin. It tells you that you're not good enough just because of the color of your skin. You start to believe that. But hopefully you're, you're, you're in a situation strong enough with people around you, teachers and mentors who are telling you, no, 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 no. Don't believe the hype. You are greater than you, be, than you, did, than you even know. And that's what we do as educators. You know, beyond the ABCs and one, two, threes, we're constantly telling our students and empowering them to believe in themselves above and beyond what society says about them. And this ever the space we're in right now since the pandemic, that is what we've been doing every day. Going beyond the ABCs and one, two, threes of education, we've also been talking about life and and getting our students to understand like. Like, you're great. You're more than capable. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep pushing you and, and providing, providing you with the tools that you need to, to conquer in the world. And especially after the summer, what they saw this summer, a lot of them started to believe again. They were like, okay, mister, I, th- I think I can do this. My seniors are saying, okay, I'm applying to college. It's crazy this year it's so, it's because it's so weird doing everything online and everything else. But they're believing Young people about to go out into the world, into the world on their own. You know, some of them going to, going to go to college, and they, they might be the first one to go to college in their families. Some of them looking to go to college like I went to. You know, which where I went to the University of Rochester. I wouldn't trade it for anything else. But I got to that campus, and I truly realized what a minority was, because I knew I was a minority in Inglewood, California, which was still you know four hundred thousand majority, you know, black and and and, and Hispanic. Then all of a sudden I was in University of Rochester. I think my freshman class, there was 50, no, no. When I, when I got on campus, I want to say there was about 60 of us total. 60 black and brown students total on campus in the undergraduate program. It grew over, you know, it grew a little bit, little by little every year, but that's the world I went into. And that's what we're preparing our kids to do, to go into a world that might not look like where they come from. Where they're going to have to build relationships and trust, you know, with people who might not look like them. People who maybe they've had a fear all their lives that might want to do them harm or not respect them. And they turn the TV on and they saw something that made them feel like, I, I, I can't. Like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. I got to tell you this, you know, um, I, I ended up having an assembly at my, at, at my school. This afternoon, I was like, you know, let's bring the whole time community in together. Let's bring teachers, students. It was a last minute thing. It was literally, I, I, I battled with like, how do I make this? How, what do I say? And I was like, you know, let's get them together. So one o'clock, I sent the email out for uh, for an assembly, town hall assembly online at two. Complete 100% voluntary. And uh, at two o'clock, we had a whole, over 100 bodies online. 100. It probably would have been more if we sent it out earlier. And that hundred was strong a hundred for at least the first hour. 
and the things I heard, because because I felt like it wasn't a place for me to curate or 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 to tell people this is what you know to make to formalize things. I just said my piece, what I was going through, what I was feeling, and I handed over the mic to one of my teachers who now facilitated a, a, a giant circle, what we call circles, a restorative, a restorative circle. So 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 we could hear from teachers, we could hear from the students, mostly the students. And one young man said something that I think was part of is part of the larger conversation of, of what what they're feeling, students are feeling, or young people are feeling. And this is a strong young man. He's, 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 he's an athlete. He's very respectful, positioned to be great in this world. He's, he's one, of those, one of those young people where you're just like, man, man, it would take a meteor, drop it on your head for you to not be successful because you're just built differently. He said, I don't even feel like going outside. I don't want to go outside because I don't know what I'm walking into. When I saw what I saw and I realized that literally I don't matter. And he said, I'd rather just go back home. And I was like, wow. Somebody asked him, like, Where, where's home? He's like, Jamaica. So at least, at least in Jamaica, I know what I'm going, I know what I'm getting. At least I know that I'm not I I'm not I'm not under threat because of the color of my skin. That broke my heart. That really broke my heart. I had students who were LGBTQ and and they were like 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 if these people exist and they feel the way they feel and we know based on historical behaviors how they've treated people of color they've also treated people of of from the LGBTQ community you know just as bad and like, man and 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 the student was like I I don't even know where I fit anymore you know I don't know if I'm safe anymore and I wonder if these people even care what they're doing, not just the black and brown kids, but just to the, to the psyche of children across this country. Because what they watched, some, some, some children are going to think, hey, that's how I'm supposed to behave. That's what freedom and, and power looks like. That's what liberty looks like. While you're going to have a big chunk of children of color feeling small, and feeling like, oh boy, this is the reality that I don't matter. This is the reality that I have to be careful how I move, what I say, what I do. Tonight, I wanted, I wanted to talk about what happened yesterday and how I'm impacting our children. I sat in an assembly for... And it was supposed to be like an hour. It lasted for two and a half hours because we were like, you know what? Let, let, let everyone speak until no one has anything else to say. I didn't want to interrupt it. And what I heard was a new level of pain that's probably worse than what happened to some of Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter. Because with that, if, with that, I think people felt like, like, um, this was like the civil rights reborn again. You know, we, we were taking note from our ancestors and what they did to, to ensure that we had our civil rights. And now we're doing the same thing to ensure that we're being an anti-police brutality and systemic racism and systemic injustices. But how do you protest what happened yesterday? How do you fight against what happened yesterday? 
how you fight against something that was born from the system. It's like the, the system's children. It wasn't an entity trying to work in the system. Like this, the system actually said, here's, here's your freedom. Here's, here's your license to create chaos. Then the, the um, what's the word? The safeguards that should have existed to stop it. Step to the side and say, hey, go ahead. It literally stepped to the side and say, hey, go ahead. And some, some people might not agree with me, but if you watch the video, you saw what was happening, you will see that's exactly what happened. The system said, go ahead. Our children watched this, and now we are in a new place. And I, I'm, I'm one, I like to have an answer. I like to have a response. I like, I like to give you tips to say, this is what you should do. But um, I think this, this, this episode of Family Talk is really about reflecting. It's really about informing you as a parent, as an auntie, as an uncle, as a grandparent, Talk to your children about what happened yesterday. And they might not want to talk to you, but you might have to force it out of them. You might have to, to, to finagle that conversation, finesse that conversation, but talk to them. I'm telling you right now, I had, a, I had what, I mean, staff-wise, it was probably about 10 staff members, maybe 15 staff members. Then, then that would mean about 85 young people, articulate, brilliant, who spoke confidently, Asked questions, and it went. It went from not just about about what happened in D.C., about what they're going through right now during the pandemic every day, the things that they're realizing, the things that they're seeing, the 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 assault on their brains, the assault on their bodies, the assault on their skin color, and they were talking about these things. And I was like, we need to create more spaces for these conversations because if they're walking around with with this load on your shoulders. Why wouldn't they struggle with completing assignments? Why wouldn't they struggle with, with, with various levels of mental health issues and anxiety and stress? Because as I'm talking to you right now, my, my little stress knot right here is like throbbing. And it's because of everything that's happening around us. And I know they're going through it. Parents, aunties, uncles, cousins, big sisters. You know, if you're hearing this, forward this video to who needs to hear it. You know, or better yet, just tell them like, hey, talk, 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 talk to your kid. Talk to your nephew. Make sure they do okay. Because right now, the way, th the way things are happening, you know, a lot of our kids are keeping it in. And my fear is what's going to happen when it finally explodes. But even worse, what happens when they, to, they start to lose hope? When the light in their eyes that says anything is possible starts to diminish because they become afraid of what could happen to them. They, could, they become afraid of what, how society handles them or approaches them. I can really think about that. I could tell you this, at my school, um, I'm committing to creating these spaces as often as possible. It might, it might have to be just a space after school, like students could log on and just have an hour circle. Let's just come join us and let's talk, what's going on? There's one, there's one thing about talking that's very, very important. When you, when you talk about, when you talk to young people, they give you a, 
an amazing look into their reality, what they're seeing. And often, it's not that different from what we're seeing. The only difference is that we have the full, complete autonomy, we should, and resources to handle it better than they are. You know, a lot of times they see things and they're, they're trying to figure it out. And sometimes there's no response. There's no understanding of what, what do I do next? Because there is no one guiding them through that. There's no mentorship. There's no, no one to help them unpack that. And at the end of the day, it's our responsibility as the adults, the uncles, the aunties, the grandparents, whoever we are to, to them. And if you're a teacher, you know, sometimes it might have to be you to help a young person unpack what they're going through. Because if we have, if we give them those skill sets, those tools, guess what's going to happen when they move on to college or into their into the workforce? They're going to be better equipped. Somebody shared a story today that um that uh I, th- I believe was so powerful. I'm going to share it with you. So apparently, um, a couple of years ago, not too long ago, a couple of years ago, there was a there was a, uh, a professional development a training where a bunch of teachers went to. And part of this this training, they um, they brought two graduates from a district to sit and and talk about um their experiences, you know, going through that particular district. Now they were in college, um, they were at elite colleges, and they were doing well. You know, one of them was a resident advisor, the other one was like a research fellow. They were doing all these amazing things, and they were like they, they were like the pride and joy of the district. This is what we produced, and this is our goal: to continue to produce young people like this. So they were so it was like a uh, uh, sit down interview and they'll ask them questions by a panelist and whatever the case is and they talked. Then then they opened up to the audience. When they opened it up to the, when they opened it up to the audience, you know they took a couple of questions, and the last question came from a teacher who asked them, "Do you ever get angry?" And there was a pause. And right at the moment that they thought that these young people wouldn't answer, first a young man answered and said, no, I don't get angry. And the teacher who asked the question says, what do you mean you don't get angry? You don't ever have any emotions? And his response was, I can't get angry, at least not at my school. Because... For me to show any kind of emotion is outside of being jovial and happy and pleasant. Puts me as put me puts me at risk of, of being labeled as the angry black person. Puts me at risk of being labeled as the black person that you need to be worried about, who has no control of their emotions. So he said, I just keep it in. And I maintain a smile. No matter how bad things get, I maintain. Because me getting angry might mean I lose my scholarship. Me getting angry might mean that I might get kicked out of school. So no matter what happens, I don't get angry. And the teacher's jaw dropped. And then the young lady said, same thing with me. I can't get angry. That broke my heart. Actually, no, it didn't break my heart. It stomped on my heart because I know that as a man of color, 
as a black man, as a black boy, who went to University of Rochester at 15, that the first thing that I learned when I got there was to keep my emotions to myself. Because if I wanted to be successful, I couldn't put myself in a position to be seen as anything other than the pleasant, intelligent, well-spoken young black man. The exception to the rule. And that's what I did. And after college, I did the same thing. Because you want to keep your job and climb up the ladder, you got to do the same thing. And you are you keep placating to the status quo. You keep placating to the majority because that's how you survive. And the reason I'm saying this is because for a lot of our students, this is the world they're walking into. And I've always told my students, you need to be your most authentic self. You, know, you, you need to be intelligent, you have to be well-spoken, but always be your most authentic self. But after, after a day like that, that, a day like yesterday, is it possible that young people watching that are only going to shrink further into themselves for the sake of self-preservation? Students saying that I don't like going outside. Students saying that I want to, I want to go back to Jamaica or wherever, or wherever else, or I just don't want to be in these spaces. How far that? How far is that from? I don't want to go to college. As far as that, you know, I'd rather stay right here than even engage the world. That is the reality that we're in right now. I know. I know this. This episode has 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 not been the most pleasant and the most you know joyful or anything like that, but this is real talk. And um, I just want, again, my call to action is if there's anyone special in your, in your life, any young person that's special in your life, ask them how they're doing. Ask them, how did what happened make you feel? If they struggle with telling you, like, put into words, ask them, like, you know, did you see any of this in social media? Can you show me what you saw? Can you show me what you've, what you've been seeing, what you've been reading? Find a way to spark a conversation and find out from them what they're, how they're feeling because it's going to be very, very important so they don't carry this, this layer of fear on how to interact with the world. As adults, most of us are, are, are already conditioned to attack the world a certain way. You know, and a lot of us hold back. A lot of us hold back. And one thing I tell my students, I don't want you holding back. I want you to go into the world and conquer. Let them know that you're there. Let them see all your brilliance. And I really hope that yesterday didn't diminish the brilliance of our children. And not even our children, our families, our, our husbands, our wives, our sons, our daughters. Because yesterday was a scary day for a lot of people. A lot of people are still sitting there thinking about yesterday with their jaws wide open. And they're like, man, how do, what do I do next? How do we, what's going to happen next? But I'm a believer. I'm a believer in, in our spirit. I believe in God. I believe in the universe. Keep us on the path as long as we stay on that path. But as we're on that path, moving towards something better, hopefully someday soon, we got to protect our children. We got to protect our families. And, we, and it starts in the mind, making sure that their minds are strong and they make meaning, appropriate meaning from what they're seeing. I wish I could have recorded what I saw, to, what what I, the conversations I had today. You know, because even the teachers 
jumped into the conversation and they said some amazing things. They give kids historical context and the conversation went from like, I mean, it's funny how the, conf- the conversation also went from like what I'm, I'm feeling about what I saw to now, why did that happen? Where were the police at? What are the rules? What are the policies? And we got into this, this very long conversation about the history of DC, the, you know, the, the, the uh, organization of, of, the, of, of the district, how things work. Students were asking like, okay, so why weren't the police there? And when one of the teachers talked to them about the difference between Capitol Police and the DC Police and the rules and everything else. And it, and it was funny because at the end of the two and a half hours that we were, we were on there, I'm talking about two and a half hours, and by the end of the two and a half hours, there was still 80 people on the, on the call. 80, 80 students and 80 teachers. I mean, 80 combined, a total of 80. And I had to tell, I had to tell them. Because, you know, I got the, the closing, the final word at the principal. And I have to say, and I meant this, this in 15 years as an educator, this is one of the three times I can say that I saw authentic learning, deep, authentic learning happening. And, I, and I've seen like authentic learning, but I'm talking about to the level where the mind and body and the mind, body and soul connects. And it's like, this is not just a, a, a seconding of information. This is understanding and curiosity and problem solving. And I was proud. I was proud of my students. I was proud of my teachers. I was proud of my school. I was proud of my community. And now I'm like, okay, I got to get the ball rolling on this. I got to create spaces for my, for my students and my teachers to really engage each other. And we're, we're building some systems. And as we build it, I'm definitely going to share in this space with those of you who are interested. So, you, so if you're affiliated with, affiliated with schools or, or you want to tell your, your child's school, hey, this is what, the, what this crazy-haired principal with, you know, with, with, you know, with the weird podcast you know, on, on YouTube is doing at his school. Because at the end of the day, it's about our children. You know, and that's why I do what I do. And I hope that if I could figure out how to provide the best education for my, for my students... I could provide the best education for my for my daughter and my son as well. So, um, with that being said, I want to thank you so much for being in this space. Um, there's no questions, there's no comments. So I'm going to assume that we're all good. And those of you who are, who've been here listening this whole entire time, thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Do me a huge favor. I always ask for this, you know, because it's very important that um that I that I, like I'm really working hard to expand this this station. I, I put I put this content out every week, so I'm gonna ask you to subscribe, hit the notification bell, activate that algorithm so that this content is being pushed out to as many people as possible. But a bigger part of it is if you could also push the push the content as, as possible, like it, share it. You know, it, it takes nothing to just share, copy and put it into a social media space. But preferably send it to somebody that you care about so they can you know benefit from this space. And again, next week I'm gonna have. You know, my sister back on here, the nurse practitioner, the 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 uh, the brilliant um, scientific mind, so that we can now balance that space between the sociolo- the sociology and education of, of of our children and families, and the mental health, the mental health and psychiatric aspect as well. So, um, with that being said, thank you so much. I really appreciate each and every one of you. Be well, and um, I'll see you guys next time. All right. Peace.